Welcome to the Triple Confirmed Podcast, where we discuss Bitcoin price talk, trading ideas, and much, much more. I am your host, The Baked Potato, a five-year crypto analyst and crypto YouTuber. Today's date is September 26th, and this is episode 106. So, yes, a lot to talk about today. We all start out on our macros like we always do on the Monday mornings. Things as of Sunday are not looking fantastic on these time frames, pretty much across the board. Ethereum seeing a weekly triple confirmation to the downside on the last weekly close. Money flow continuing to push to the downside, heavily in the red. Bitcoin very much in the same boat, except no reconfirmation because we didn't need it. Technically, our reconfirmation, well, actually, yes, we did reconfirm technically by closing a red dot while still maintaining our triple confirmation. What this is telling me is that the overall outlook of the market continues to be down, obviously, right? There's a good chance that something in our midterms changes in the immediate midterm macro, but overall, what this is telling me is that even if we do get this jump back up into anywhere $25,000, the more likelihood of that rejecting, again, giving us that confirmed lower high is very, very high at the rate of which we're going. We need to see so many things turn up and turn around and get back into the green before anything is concretely bullish in these macro charts. Now, something I wanted to make a note of, you know, essentially the monthly money flow potentially closing in or at least opening into the red on this monthly close is possible and potentially likely. Um, we are still holding the $19,618 monthly FIB level, but that potentially confirming into the red money flow, there's room for bounce in here. There's room for pickup. You know, we know that there's good chance of turning ourselves up for potentially a week or two or maybe three, maybe a little bit longer. But is that going to change the overall outlook of this monthly? Potentially not. You can see that our triple confirmation came in at $39,900. So in order to invalidate that, we would need a TC back into and above that level. You know, maybe we triple confirm for a month or two. We push back into 30. We turn ourselves back down because money flow overall is fighting its way down. I definitely don't think that this is the bottom, but I also don't think that it's just immediately going to break through this level. Um, now, again, I, this it's possible that it does end up just smashing through. We haven't seen a ton of buy support at this level so far. It's been good, but we haven't had a huge spike. We know that the Dixie pushed through our 112 level. 10-year yield pushed past the 3.5% level. Both of these coming in as critical major resistance levels. We haven't reconfirmed them as support, and we haven't changed our fibs yet. So in all the technicality, as far as this goes, we're just riding overextending. We're, we're essentially overextending until the fibs change into a bullish posture. We do have market structure, but as we can see, you know, it likes to do this with our charts. We like to go past the zero line 
get slammed back into it. Of course, depending on if we bounce at the market structure or if it completely changes into a bearish posture, that's what's going to dictate uh, the overall of what's going to happen here. If we turn the fibs bullish, we close into a bullish closing, then there may be a lot more potential upside in these two charts than we were expecting. Again, the next level for the Dixie is about 120, 122. And the 10-year yield, the next level of resistance, we've technically, well, we've hit it here at 3.9, but the level after that's going to be about 5%. There's a huge jump, really. I mean, 4.3 may stop us for a bit, but the next important level is going to be about 5%. The last time we were at 5% was about 2007, so going back about 15 years. Obviously not great things out of that if we do see continuation, if we have the market structure and everything else turn back up. I think the thing that we need to keep in the back of our mind is that, you know, we are still technically triple confirmed up on these macros and down on the macro BTC and ETH charts. So unless we start to confirm the shift and flip everything around, you know, even if it does have some sort of midterm pullback, and Bitcoin has a midterm push to the upside, it's going to be short-lived until everything in those macros changes completely confirmed for sure. Now, it's a, it's a good time to be potentially looking for a starting entry in these areas still, but you know we're leaning more towards looking for a major uh, swing reshort position as of right now. That's kind of my thinking. Coming over here to S&P quick, we did start the day off pretty good. We were trying to play off of a bullish divergence in our shorter time frames here. But again, nothing's confirmed. Money flow still pushing its way down in these smaller time frame charts. So we're definitely having some, some conflict here with trying to turn back up. Obviously, the US tenure pushing up today and the Dixie pumping up today obviously held that down. It suppressed the what could have been decent little upside. Again, we just continue to diverge here in these shorter term timeframes. The medium terms, really not so much unless we're looking at more midterm macro. The last real divergence that we can see goes dates back to June to now in uh, anything bigger than like a four hour chart. So BBWPs are saying that we're in an oversold level with the S&P uh, tenure yield. We come into the midterms daily, three-day, I believe, are oversold as well. We've hit a resistance box. Yeah, we're hitting about the 80%, 85%. Mm, Shorter-term time frames, I believe, are a little bit more maxed out. Yeah, 93% on our 12-hour. So you can see why I'm still in this thinking that we are near some sort of local shorter-term top, maybe more midterm. We know that September's close is a very important close for traditional markets in general. We have the quarterly close. We have the monthly close happening at the same time. And with every quarterly close, there's a bunch of futures that end up uh, forcibly closing. So I'm not sure if we should take this price action too, too seriously. I know we continue to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze higher, but until, until the specifics of the chart actually change and the posturing of everything we should still be in the same thinking that we've been talking about for about a month now, where we are still forming 
bottom in this major support level zone, whether it be Bitcoin, ETH, some of them are major cap altcoins, and the S&P. Um, and at the same time, the Dixie and the 10-year are finding topping levels. Now, again, we've pushed through those levels by a little bit now, and it's on the verge of just reconfirming itself back up, pushing through, turning this resistance into support, but it hasn't confirmed yet. We need to be certain of these things before we make a move, because otherwise you're just longing the top and or shorting the bottom, if we're talking about the assets. And we don't want to do that. We need to be confident that it's continuing to shift and it's not about to break a trend that it's been in for a very long time. So those are the important key levels and things to be paying attention to. I think by next week, we should start to see this breaking up or breaking down of whatever it's going to do, potentially fake out first. So if we start pressuring down first, um, then more than likely that'll lead to a push to the upside. And if we start trying to break up uh, with no volume, gets rejected, it'll be, a, it'll be the push to the downside. In almost every case, you always fake out to the opposite side first. You build up a bit of liquidity and then you push into the opposite direction. So we'll see how this plays out. For now, again, still thinking these are topped out. Bitcoin's bottoming. And we should see some very, very minimum back to 25K-ish before rejecting again and turning everything back down. When we come into our one-day, three-day charts with Bitcoin and ETH, you can get a bit of a better picture of potential here, bouncing off the zero line, potentially turning ourselves back up, still playing off of divergence and potentially now convergence on the ETH three-day chart. Bitcoin, same deal bullish divergence, potential higher low. We just were not confirmed with anything yet. The daily really needs to reconfirm itself back to the upside here for any of this to be valid. You know, we can see that we're just playing around. We've got a green dot, a red dot, a green dot, day after day after day. All weekend was just a big accumulation phase, essentially. So we should have more information by the end of the week. But again, because of where we are in time, because we know that we have quarterlies and monthly closes coming up in a couple days, we may need to wait until the start of October to get a true idea of where we're going to be pushing for the next potential couple months. So I'd be aware of all that and what's going on and paying attention over the next couple days uh, to see what's actually going to come out of this whole thing. Now, uh, Pio, I do, we were talking a bit earlier. Uh, if you wanted to expand a bit on what you were saying, before the meeting started, I'd love to grab what you were talking about. Good evening, everybody. I think welcoming, welcoming your analysis as always. Um, plan the trade, trade a plan, or the other way around. Um, it's very interesting that you say how important uh, a month September is. And I kind of think back as well to a comment that you left us with on Friday that you know, watch for everything to move together rather than random things going off here and there and getting distracted. And, you know, it just began with possibly a bit of a copium thought, but looking into, like, further into the drivers of, fundamental drivers of inflation have really kind of driven the markets for the last eight months, um, mm. especially energy, you know, supply chain being quite important as well. 
Um, a lot of the midterm analysis of what the next CPI print could be, um, you know, at the, in, I think it's around two and a half weeks, early October, really looks like it could nudge below 8% year on year, which would be, uh, you know, obviously a, a, enough of a signal of a drop month on month. Um, and perhaps we'd start drive thinking into the final quarter to know that if it's quarter and quarter under versus Q3, where it possibly looked to have peaked um, at, the at this present kind of time. Um, yeah, you can kind of see where the catalyst could be that could move things like the Dixie, like, you know, the Euro, um, like energy prices and consumers and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm not saying that the clouds are parting, but I'm saying I think worst case scenarios have been priced in, in these markets and demand destruction is going to work. And just kind of, you know, stuff that happens in life is starting to kind of unclog itself uh, or find efficiencies. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting event. Um, and I wonder if people are going to start catching sight of this before we, we close the month because it's starting to pop up here and there that people are starting to think this way and kind of notice metrics that are playing into that thinking. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon and I think it's way too soon to be certain that this can't just continue getting kicked for the next whatever, how long, you know, like... Hmm. Bears are euphoric. Right. Right. And you have, you know, dumb smart money jumping into major put positions across the board. You know, I just like a, a large liquidity grab. Some we've had almost six to eight months of almost continuous straight downside. Some sort of real I mean, even even a relief like what we saw from thirty-five to forty-eight, you know, that would put us up near the twenty-five dollars to $30,000 level. Yeah, and I mean, Carl, the moon's bearish. <laughs> That's a great counter-indicator right there. So, I mean, I'd um, text from just a classic counter trade, a DCA into ETH over 2K dude. And um, I got a text from today, should I short the pound? <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> but like, <laughs> do, you know? Definitely after the move ha happens. Def definitely short it now. That's <laughs> a really good idea. So, yeah, bears are your fuck. Yeah, it's all doom and gloom. There's nobody kind of going, oh, wait. you know. Yeah. Good time to wreck them. Let's just say, like, there's no volume coming into either direction right now. So it's kind of a pot, you know, a shot in the dark, really, about what's going to happen here. Um, we're definitely a lot closer to support than we are resistance. You know, there is potentially a little bit more squeezing that we could do. We did spend quite a bit of time along this trending support line last time we were here, which was 33 to 30. You know, you guys remember that as being the most dull period in time of 2021. You know, everything was sideways and boring and we're doing the exact same thing. But we touched it three times here. So we technically could, you know, 1750, 1717, Come back down to 15, 14, pop through a little bit, find some really good strength. And then, you know, enough time has really played out in that extent where we may be closer to retesting the top 
of that level again later. Like it's it could come now, or it definitely could come farther into the more uh, significant falling wedge that we can see within this broadening rising or falling wedge. Sorry, I know my drawings are always a. Uh, essentially, we're in a pattern within a pattern. From my understanding, from what I'm seeing, both are technically bullish overall, but we've got a lot of room to continue filling this thing out without invalidating or breaking it or anything like that. So to what Soup Dragon said in Discord, the last daily high was 22.3K. We can definitely stop at the midline of this uh, sideways channel, 21.3 or, you know, as high as 20. Uh, I would say probably 21.3, not 22.3, honestly, if we're going to tap the middle again maybe go to the top here but we'll see i again i think that we're just going to continue playing within this thing until it's broken which is either 175 breaks or 25k breaks and i think that's our midterm macro channel of course when you break it down into like the 4 hour 6 hour stuff we're in a much tighter range right now we're squeezed between 195 and 183 or 182 so we get an answer for this. We break back into potentially pushing towards 2021. If we break 2021, we have a chance to hit 24, 25. <sighs> 25 is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough if we can even make it back to that. If we can get through 25, then 30 is a cakewalk. And that's why, you know, potentially we fake through falling wedge in this medium term, still potentially revisiting as high as 40 while still maintaining our overall continued bearish outlook of testing back down. 21 makes more sense for a lower high. Yeah, I think so too. Again, like we got to be realistic, I think, with ourselves in knowing that the macros are all against the wishful thinking. They're all pointing down. But at the same time, we know that those charts take a long time to show any sign of reversal. You know, we need to see it in our one day, three day stuff first. And so far under this whole thing, we really haven't seen that, right? We, we crossed up in the three-day for a matter of, I think, 12 or 15 days so far in the last six months or so. It's not been a very long period of time. So we need money flow to get itself back towards the zero line in those medium-term time frames. I think by the time it actually goes green again, we are going to be closer to 23 to 25, if that's the case. But being realistic right now wherever we get to we're looking for that lower high rejection reshort opportunity unless the macro changes if the weekly goes completely bullish parabolic the dixie rejects the 10-year yield rejects everything all happens at the same time then it might actually be the thing and we might you know we might get more juice out of this than anyone's expecting again the s p fibs haven't changed yet. They're still pointing at 5,000. They're still pointing at 7,000 on the really far end of things. I think potentially making a new all-time high in the S&P is still a very possible thing. And then from there, everything goes to shit, if I'm putting it bluntly. If you, sorry, but if you flip the S&P, uh -huh. if you flip it, it looks like it could become an inverse cup and handle. It's like I, I really think what you're saying could be true because you got such low liquidity 
and I don't know how to really kind of put this, but the world is just spinning faster and faster. I think, yeah, I think I think you could even see some sort of FOMO in this type of market if things do show like an obvious break, an obvious level, especially in um, especially in the Nasdaq. Like especially if smart money is is so one sided right now, you know, because they're gonna get freaked out, jump back. They're not gonna want to miss an opportunity if it's just gonna keep going. But then it, you know it's gonna come and bite everyone in the butt. And I think the real smart money is gonna realize that nothing in the back end has changed. If we do get one more opportunity, you know, they're gonna jump out harder than they've jumped out yet essentially as fast and whatever is possible at the right time yeah like given how gammy this market has been even more so over the last decade since covid which was just just naked nakedly pumping assets you know <laughs> you can't look at it any other way in a lot of those respects i think you know just this market shit they'll there's another move left in it, a lot of liquidity, liquidity binding. So I think human nature just plays into plays into that trap. In fact, with desperation, even more desperation in the world, you know, it's you could see a lot of people chasing it, you know. One hundred percent. The money's gonna go to shit. People are gonna try and gather as much as they can before that happens. I just don't see how it can, you know, it can't go to shit anymore. It's it's already been put off for so long, but at the same time, I'm not an expert, my friends. I wish I was. I need another 10 years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. To understand the bond markets. I, I think the most simple observation I can make about like the bubble popping thing is, you know, they, they never really kind of, no one really wore the pain after the great financial crisis. It was just more debt after that. And that's what, if that wasn't sitting on balance sheets, central banks right now you know things would be hokey bokey um they're not because they need to print more to pay the interest on the debt that's been carried over since um, over a decade ago uh some stage that's someone's gonna have to wear the pain and some of it's gonna have to get written down and that's why the bond market is hypersensitive right now because it's carrying that weight on the shoulder shoulders and that's the biggest question for me is like is bullshit gonna be called on that you know, or can they do it for for another ten years and just keep on debasing all these currencies? Yes, it's hard to hard to tell at this point in time. No, and I mean they they can cope with these drops, but I'm saying soup like I think that's definitely part of why this bear market has been so soft because the you know they they came out and said that that they were going to curve the. You know the influxing, the fluctuation of price in Bitcoin, and I mean, yes, we've had, you know, almost the same percentage of drop and as in the previous cycles, but it's been a lot more lax, right? We haven't had this like quote unquote black swan two day drop where we lose fifty percent in a day. Now it could still be on the way for sure. Maybe they don't have as much. Control of the thing as as they think, but they do own a shit ton of the portion. So I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, they're definitely manipulating to a certain degree. It's just how much, and you know, I think paying attention to their portfolios may be a good idea because if 
Obviously, if we see a huge spike in sell-off, if we do go back up or they start dollar cost averaging, then they have a plan. You know, you can gather what what the big money is going to do just by paying attention to what they're doing. Because if you know, if obviously they start selling off in significant amounts and they're not making money from it, then then like I'm just going to go to ship. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, that's true. That is true. We don't have a lot of the data that we would need in order to validate what's going on behind the scenes because a lot of their transactions are over the counter. You know, they only have to come up with a number every what is it quarter. And I mean, they always do this too. Again, another reason why the quarterly is so important because, oh, they come up with this number and then guess what? The company goes and buys and and has three months before <laughs> they have to <laughs> re-input their data. So, well, it's a sneaky little tactic, right? Oh, look at the quarterly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so worst possible thing would be seeing these fibs restructured to the upside for now, guys, um, I don't really want to give you any targets with prices of things. I just I think that paying attention to these levels, 21, 23, 8, and 25 are going to be important in the shorter terms. Ethereum, well, the first important level here is 1440 or 1450, 1550 at the 618, and then 17 to 1750, just as we spoke about last time. Depending on what happens with this range, you know, we do have people confirmation back on the four hour. We do have money flow picking up on ETH. Um, the total three is kind of just flicking back and forth. It technically TC'd up on the daily here, started to push back, hasn't invalidated yet, and possibly may not at all. If we continue to push momentum back to the upside, we need to start seeing volume come in to back this stuff up. We, we need to start seeing the Dixie and the 10-year rejecting. The fact that we're exponentially jumping, like these charts don't usually see a 1% to 2% gain over the course of one day. So, you know, we are going technically a bit parabolic here. How long can it last? I think is the question. Once they snap back, because they're going parabolia, you know, they're going to snap back even harder. We're at 100% BBWP. We're at 90%. How much more did we got? Not that much. So we'll see. We'll see, my friends. For now, again, I'd be looking at taking a little bit more profit off in this area if you're still shorting. Potentially still an area to be adding a starting position. You're long. Um, nothing more than 1% to 2%, of course. And waiting for daily, at least, to triple confirm back up before adding anything else to a long position. With that all being said, we do have a very important meeting. The date is October 10th. Uh, that'll be our alpha version two and pre-sale community call. It'll be happening in the triple confirmation discord. Uh, we have it in the events tab at the top. You guys can check yourselves in there. Make sure that you know exactly when it's going to happen. It's a very important meeting for everyone, part of our community to be a part of if you can. And of course, Make sure you guys check out TripleConfirmation.com. If you haven't yet, if you're listening for the first time ever, make sure to hit those bells, hit those like buttons, all that stuff and things. For the socials, we really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to listen today. Hopefully you got something good out of it, and I hope that you have a great rest of your Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.